Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifrac. Now, sometimes there's dates on your calendar that you're really looking forward to, and some you aren't. This one I've circled on my calendar for a while. Michael Griffiths, welcome to the show. He's a senior partner, principal and lead in Deloitte's workforce transformation practice, specifically leading Deloitte's workforce development market offerings. With a global team, these offerings drive the market in learning transformations, knowledge management, leadership development, and assisting clients to become, wait for it, skills-based. We're going to tackle that uh, at infinitum today uh, until time runs out, Michael. He's also the lead for Delight's Human Capital Trends Research and Report. Michael is well-published in the field of learning and talent and is a leading market voice on becoming a skills-based organization. So, Michael, today I've got some stats to rhyme off from one of the uh, uh, most recent kind of Deloitte Insights. Uh, I'm going to wrap up these stats, and then we're just going to basically have a bit of a conversation about that and this kind of shift uh, organizationally from a strategic per perspective of jobs to skills. So here we go. Uh, in the recent Deloitte survey, 63% of executives say work in their organization is currently being performed in teams or projects outside of people's core job descriptions. 81% say work is increasingly performed across functional boundaries. 36% say work is increasingly being performed by workers outside of the organization who don't even have defined jobs in that organization. 42% of respondents say their organization's job descriptions do, quote, an excellent job of specifying the work that needs to be done. I'd say only, perhaps. Only 19% say traditional jobs are the best way to organize work to fulfill the business goals. And the last one here, only 18% of executives strongly agree that their workforce is using their skills and capabilities to their fullest potential. So that's a lot of stats, but Michael, first of all, welcome to the show. Can you unpack kind of what's happening with some of those stats and this is the shift to a skills-based practice really full on right now, I guess, is the job dead, Michael? Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, first of all, Dan, I appreciate it. Um, uh, this is a, a very much a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about and we've had multiple different um, uh, research articles go out about it, which I hopefully a lot of your audience has seen. And um, and we, we've worked working with numerous clients around moving in that direction. And moving is a, is a key word here. No one is at the end. Everyone is moving in this direction and there's no defined end. And any organization that's got it completely right um, be, because the scalability of it is so challenging. So right. to unpack, two, there's two elements to all the stats you just talked through. One is actually what we're writing about in a human capital trends report, which is around sort of this boundaryless organization. So the boundaries of the organization, both for how you engage with your workforce and frankly, who your workforce is, are kind of disappearing. So things mm -hmm. like the ownership of data. Um, do, do The boundaries before was organizations hold their data and individuals' data sits within the organization. That boundary is kind of disappearing as that data sort of goes with people as they leave. And you have to use external data actually to validate your own organization. The mm -hmm. boundaries of ecosystem providers, like if you have a provider that is a partner for you, they sort of come in your organization, sit, and then they move again. That flow is completely boundaryless at this point because organizations have to use workforce in a much more agile way. And then most importantly for this conversation, the boundaries are around how you understand and utilize skills of your workforce are very much defined within your organization and more importantly, and more increasingly outside. Mm. The data you understand for who those people are and how you define those. Um, we've always always had the idea of some organizations looking actually on LinkedIn to understand who their workforce is rather than their <laughs> HRS systems. That's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, but now we're finding that people are able to bring in their skills 
and then have adjacent skills identification around things they do for life and work being part of the conversation of how to match their skills to their work. So that that sort of boundaryless aspect is, is one element to the conversation. I think the other element to the conversation, which you we've sort of talked, you've just talked around in some of the stats, is really understanding the skills and how to utilize them through the organization. So um, there are things like talent acquisition, workforce planning, uh, and 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 things like learning and development that are moving in the direction of saying our jobs are construct to be able to move in those directions. So and there is some uh, misunderstanding in the in, in the data that you just said. I I think yeah. so. You one of the stats you said there was almost fifty percent of people said that their job descriptions are all right. Okay, I think they're great. We've got great job descriptions. Tick. Uh, however, if you look at some of the stats. There is another stat that says around 18% of business leaders don't feel like the, the, the work they're doing is defined within the jobs. So how can your job descriptions be right, but then 18% doesn't define the jobs you're doing? So I think that there is still a movement towards saying jobs aren't there because they're so safe, they're comfortable, they're a nice shirt, and they, they fit well, and they're so easy to organize job architecture into compensation and other reward things. But frankly, we all know the frankly, we do not do the stuff that's in our job description. It's just it's, it, that that ship has sailed. It's gone. It's, it's over the horizon. So now we have to break down how far we can move in that direction and and match at least map jobs to skills and then move into sort of how do we utilize that skill data in those different talent processes? Well, it actually begs another question, right? So what is it that organizations need to be doing to reorganize the work going forward? Because if we're still stuck in uh, job descriptions posted to Indeed and to LinkedIn, and they're not being reorganized for skills, or maybe skills are in there, but it's not quite as uh, you know clear about what the, the role entails, how do we have to reorganize, quote, the work going forward? Yeah, and it does should start. It's a great question because all of this process, we believe, should start with the work. You cannot change to skills if you don't have your work defined in more of an agile way. And mm. work outcomes um, being defined and broken down into that sort of structure um, rather than, uh, you know, old uh, orchestrations around job architecture, driving into roles, into projects, et cetera. You have to get your data around work in the lowest democratized level you can. And then, then you can match skills to it. Uh, and that makes you able to move to a skills-based organization. So understanding work and constructing architecture around work first is a core component to that. And however, and, and that sounds daunting, but I think a lot of organizations are already on that, on that sort of path and on that pathway. When you start to really understand how things work at your organization, and how people do assign work, how they architect that work, how they construct it into processes, you'll find there's a lot of hotspots that is happening. It's certainly not across your organization, but we definitely see there are bright spots, especially in technology and finance, mm -hmm. where organizations are moving much more in that space because they're having to move with the direction, especially through this multiple changes we've had through the pandemic and social injustice, et cetera, there's been much more agility in work. So there are ways to leverage that within your organization to straight structures, use the technology that's there and start to move in that direction. I don't definitely would not start from a blank sheet of paper because it's happening. 
I've been around the block uh, a few times uh, as it pertains to working and living inside of people and culture, human resources, et cetera. One of the things I recall fondly, of course, is, uh, you know, the quest to help employees uh, define their quote, Michael, transferable skills mm. so that in their CV or their resume, what have you, right, they can sort of uh, go with a bang and say, look, here's all the things I've learned whilst I was in the finance department, but now I want to go apply over here to the IT department. I know, you know, I'm a, C, uh, I'm a, a certified accountant or what have you, but guess what I can do? Here's my transferable skills. So are, have we reached that moment, I guess, whereby as opposed to it being employee-driven to define their transferable skills, it's actually employer-driven? I think it's a cultural change, right, um, that we're, going, we're, we're on the journey for. So, um, and there are multiple helps with that cultural change. I think the, actually the pandemic helped drive mm. that uh, aspects. There are organizations like AstraZeneca that went, they basically flipped on the head to become, frankly, a vaccine uh, producing company and had to literally move, it's been written about half of their workforce from their current skill to be able to activate in that skill set. There's also uh, an airline organization that utilized their um, staff who are service orientated to move them into a different section of their organization to drive value uh, and actually gave them to, to, to in, into the medical uh, industry as well. And, and that mm -hmm. we've written that in one of our reports as well about bringing that. So I think there is movements around um, the, the way the world has moved to push organizations to flip in that. So that's one of the movements. I think the second is technology. There's a lot of technology out there that are really pushing on adjacent skills as their core technology, um, especially in this sort of marketplace, opportunity marketplace, workplace marketplace uh, perspective. So these all these technologies are identifying your skills. And then they're saying, we can give you a list of 10 adjacent skills that we are and they put percentages on it, 60% to 80% sure that this person can perform that skill based upon their skills matrix. Mm -hmm. And and they're proving that out. You know, uh, Unilever is one of those examples that's utilized that technology and the adjacent skill technology into creating more mobility. So the technology is helping. But then most importantly, it comes down to, in, in a simple way, staffing, mm -hmm. ultimately. As a project manager, as a team leader, I have to have confidence in that 60 to 80%, whatever way it comes up. I have to have confidence that someone has learned this skill, therefore they can apply it. I have a confidence that this adjacent skill means they can actually do it. And I have the confidence to be able to utilize them in my team, my contract, because every organization comes down to that team leader level right. and they have to be able to be confident in that. And I think there's a cultural shift. We're not quite there yet, man. We're on the movement for those people to utilize those skills and, and apply them. Um, when business leader says we're going from here to here, like AstraZeneca, they've got no choice. Yeah. But when when it actually leads with we want to create be more innovative and agile and create value for the organization, become more customer centric, it's a little harder to push as hard. So this may sound uh, like a, a, a sideways question, but is this a chicken and egg scenario we're playing out with here? Like, do we have to define what skills are first, or do we have to reformat the workplace? sort of strategy of how skills reformat themselves into jobs and, you know, gigs or opportunities inside the organization itself? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to say it's the chicken and the egg and <laughs> they come together, which is maybe there's a new product in the marketplace like that. I don't know. But I think the idea is you have to have an egg. You have to have a pilot. You have to have a, a hook, a business value you're going after. So is it 
Is it your, you know, a reaction to great resignation and trying to hold on to your talent and measuring that? Is it innovation and marketplace creativity, new customer uh, engagement, new product line, fast innovation, speed to product? Is it that? Um, is that you have to have one of those key components and then you have to have a pilot based upon that. So that which could be workplace planning, it could be talent acquisition, um, it could be learning development. So your talent strategy has to have a business line, it has to have metrics you go after. And those are your eggs. You're going to say, I'm going to go over that. However, you have to build the chicken while you do that. And yeah. to build the chicken is thinks is really sounds kind of boring stuff, honestly. I wouldn't leave, I wouldn't lead to my business leader, my CEO saying we're going to become skills-based. I would go on your business metrics. But to get there, the skills-based things are taxonomy. You have yeah. to have a clear taxonomy, ontology. You have to have a data flow. Skills data has to be there. Your tech and infrastructure and your governance has to be there too. You have to build the chicken as the egg is being created. So, uh, and the first egg is probably not going to be the greatest, probably a thin yolk doesn't taste that great, but at least it's something. And then you start to sort of um, understand how the chicken can create better eggs as you go forward. Uh, with all due respect and apologies to vegetarians and vegans, of course. Um, so as we play off of this metaphor, Michael, I'm curious. So do we need to define skills, like the term? So what are skills? And then Deloitte has also made uh, mention and recommended sort of the, uh, I think what's called the skills hub. So can you help me unpack those two concepts? How does how do you define skills? And then what's the skills hub? Yeah. And, and you know, I do think um, we do have in our research a definition of skills, um, which I think, you know, is a starting point. Um, and organizations basically have to come up with their own. But we, right. we, we, we define it as it uh, has to include technical abilities, human capabilities, and essentially, you know, professional or adjacent skills. So I and, and we, we can go through that. But essentially, yes, you definitely have to have a definition. You have to have a taxonomy in that. This is all within the hub. A taxonomy mm -hmm. is simple, are competencies, capabilities, attributes, um, uh, performance traits. Do you want to have um, levels of proficiency? You have to go through that process and it has to be aligned for the business and HR to be able to, to have that defined. Um, and then you have to have that technology and infrastructure and governance to be able to make it run. So that's all in the hub and you have to create an entity to do that. It can't sit as a side gig on the side of a desk. Um, I do think those capabilities and structures have to be led um, from the center, but they could sit in an innovation group, they could sit in HR, they could sit anywhere in the organization. They obviously has to have a human capital analytics capability yeah. within that. Um, and that is uh, key to be successful. And personally, I would say that shouldn't sit in HR. Sorry, HR professionals. You need someone who really understands the data and technology flow to be able to push that into execution. Did I answer your question though, Dan? I feel like there was yeah. another part to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, ultimately what I'm seeing, at least in some of my research and work, is the the smarter or more progressive organizations are actually tackling, as you mentioned, like both the egg and the chicken, right? If you want to call it, the egg is defining kind of the skill. The chicken is the infrastructure, the stratagem, right, et cetera, the infrastructure in which to allow this to happen. Underneath it, maybe the straw, I don't know, Michael, uh, there's that culture. <laughs> Right. Like you've, right. you've got to really uh, get through to a lot of senior executives who might be myopic in their kind of archaic and antiquated thinking. Uh, and so where where do you when you're inside the organization, you're dealing with people. So how do you like what's the transformation look like, a, like a Unilever or Cargill or AstraZeneca? Like what? How did it how do you think it should occur? 
Yeah, I mean, the change management aspect of this cannot be underestimated. Um, it really, you have to create, I, I talked about the business metrics before, you also have to create the WIFM, right? How do you create yeah. the value for the for the individual? The and, and this is why then the proliferation of talent-based marketplaces around skills has happened, because it's the easiest one. It's the easiest one to show value, but uh, does not um, really cut out the job architecture and, and move into the comp uh, and year-end processes, which are challenging um, for organizations, but create value fast. So talent marketplaces are definitely the easiest way to do it. If you define your skills effectively and you allow us to hunch those skills and you test them and then we can build adjacent ones with it, et cetera, what we'll do is we'll give you new opportunities. That's a great with them, right? I can therefore advance my career in a much more agile way. I can see new opportunities. There's a DEI angle there too. You see me for my skills, not for what I look like or how I turn up in my organization. So you take out some bias and you create that completely uh, transferable marketplace for people to be, uh, uh, what I should, I'm trying to say, transparent marketplace where people can see the opportunities as they go and they're matched. I mm -hmm. think there's a huge whiff from this is why talent marketplaces has been a key component to people becoming skills. But I will say to your point, I want to throw a couple more stats out there for the audience. Yeah. Um, from our research, you know, we we found that 98% of organizations are moving towards skills-based org. That's a staggering number. 98? 98% are moving towards becoming a skills-based organization. 90% are actively experimenting the eggs <laughs> with <laughs> skills-based approaches. But only one in five are adopting skills-based approaches to significantly extent across the organization, uh -huh. chicken the building the chicken. So what we're seeing is there are 90% of organizations trying, experimenting, moving, which is exactly right. Yeah. But only 20% of organizations are actually doing the sort of groundwork to be able to move that forward. And then just one more, if you allow me, Dan, on the stats side, those 20%, or we did some analysis, okay, we see these 20% across a bunch of factors that say they are really, you know, moving forward to becoming an enterprise solution, building the real core components of the hub, we found that those organizations were creating 63% more business and financial impacts than their competitors. So it's also driving value. It was across 11 dimensions of, of business and financial impacts that we tested that on. So the long story is, or the short story is, organizations are playing, great. Organizations that are really taking it seriously, great. Those organizations take it seriously are having 63% more impact on their financial performance than those who are not. You can rhyme stats off to me all day, Michael. I'm a stats wonk and uh, I'm going to go right back at you because I think this complements, but tangentially uh, points out something else that I know you've discovered. And I wanted to get into this because the, the egg and the chicken also needs a purpose. And so you've, you've recognized ultimately like the human centricity of work. And that, that's what employees are, are demanding ultimately. And you've got the stat, 79% of executives agree that the purpose of the organization should be to create value for workers as human beings, but also for shareholders and society at large. But 66%, Michael, are facing increased pressure to show their commitment to doing so, moving from basically rhetoric to results. So, hmm. um, I, you know, I wrote a book called The Purpose Effect six years ago, and I've been on this, um, you know, I guess, uh, 
chicken and egg farm uh, about pushing forward with purpose inside and outside the organization. So how does the talent marketplace, how does you know our, our, our kind of previous 20 minutes or so lead towards this? How is skills going to help the purpose and human centricity piece? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a component of it, and I'm sure you would agree with that. But ultimately, I think it's because skills enable you to see the full person. Mm, uh, nice. And and there's a key word here, and their potential. Without bias, without any uh, other perceived contribution or aspect of them, that you see them for who they are and who they could become from a skills perspective and that is a key aspect to both individual worth and potential that then could be rounded up for the organization and drive it forward for things like innovation growth um uh you know uh workforce experience uh etc um you know I, I i think it's a really important aspect to how organizations look at diversity and we're seeing that more and more as mm -hmm. a as a lever to pull um as 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 you say as organizations have made multiple promises over the last three years and commitments should i say that they're going to have to stand up to yeah um yeah we we've got obviously have a dei practice in 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 our in our firm and and the leader of that i was talking to me the other day saying that they analyzed that organizations have conservatively some research Organizations in the U.S. have made 10,000 commitments that they cannot cannot measure. So skills might be a way for organizations to utilize data to move them on those commitments um, uh, as one lever. I think one more from a stats perspective, because I know you love stats, um, that we pulled from, from our research. Again, the, the, the organizations that are skills-based, again, those are the 20%, are 79% uh, more likely to have a positive workforce environment uh, experience. Again, oh. we can pull the you can pull the data from our research to understand how we we came to that conclusion. But I think that's a really com compelling stat. I do think if you can move into experience and workforce experience, you're delivering purpose um, by by definition. Amazing. Uh, I could chat with you all day, but my penultimate question before we find out more where we can um, find you and your work. So, so Michael. In, in in looking at this, and really, um, you're I think um, a prescient thought leader on this transformation from job to skills. What do you think is really getting in the way of a of a grander or or quicker transformation? Like, what is the whatever X number of things you see that gets in the way that we really need to mitigate in order to to transform the organization to a skills based org? Well, I mean, so part of it isn't isn't organizations' fault because technology isn't quite there, mm. right? So, um, especially I would say in the rewards comp um, uh, uh, job architecture space, um, obviously a lot of those technologies that that drive that for organizations, their HRS systems and beyond, are really job based, um, and they use job architecture as the core component to 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 optimize those talent processes. So they're moving that way. Um, you know, a lot of those HRS systems have got their own skills hub, skills capabilities that they're building up, um, but they're still separate. They're like on the side. <laughs> you could kind of have it, right. they're not core. So they will become core, I have no doubt. Um, and that will help organizations to scale. 
um, much more easily than they can to do today. I think the other element really you just mentioned a few times, which I totally agree, is culture. Mm. I think um, the movement to be more agile, to let go of talent across the organization, to drive it as more of a fungible resource, to utilize external workforces, and this is important, and see them as the same as core on balance sheet workforce that, that move between your organization and drive just as much value. And on the flip side, to let the, the external workforce feel like they are as inclusive, included in everything as a balance sheet workforce. Those cultural elements, are, we're in the movement of it. We're not there yet. Um, I guess if there, there is a third, um, I definitely think it's, it's uh, you know, articulation of the value. I think that we are on the journey from, from my, I, myself. I know you talk about it much. I think we're helping. I don't think we're totally crystallized yet, to be honest, around what is the value. Even, even in my bio, you read at the start saying that, you know, I'm driving a skills-based transformations. It's a, it's a great word, but I think we should lead with what actually are we trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be... We need to be better about driving that um, because um, it should be about the outcomes as much as the process. Wonderful stuff. Uh, that being said, I think I'll, I'll look differently this weekend at my chicken kebab and scrambled eggs. Uh, but where can we find out more about Michael Griffiths and Michael's work on skills-based organizations? Yeah, we have several pieces out there. Um, uh, I mean, to lit, lit them off, it'd be hard for me to do, but we've got um, pieces and research off. We obviously you go to Deloitte.net, you can search there for sure and find much of, much of our research and points of view. As I said, please look out for uh, research we just put out, um, which is quite extensive around this. Um, it came out last week. And um, lastly, the Human Capital Trends Report, which has a chapter in it called The End of Jobs. It's coming out in January. So please look out for that. I shall, as always, thank you so much for what you do for our community of uh, people and culture and practitioners trying to help make the future of work now. Uh, Michael Griffiths, love to have you back on the show at some point in the future. This has been fantastic. Thank you again. And uh, let's both uh, have a great weekend with our chicken kebabs. Thanks again. <laughs> thank you, Dad. <laughs>